Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now he goes on to give the church the commission, which I don't want to downplay at all. But in my sermon today, I want to focus on this statement from Jesus Christ. Because his authority over everything in heaven and on earth is important as he leads the church and encourages us to go out and to share the gospel with others. But I just want to talk a little bit about what this means when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This statement should be a, a source of encouragement to all of us in many different aspects of our life. You know, authority is something that is not a popular thing in our world and in our society today. Uh, all you have to do is have a job where you are in a position of authority over other people. You catch a lot of flack from the people who are quote unquote under you because they don't like anybody with authority. They run from authority, they criticize authority, uh, and unfortunately it's because Authority that we may have is in the hands of fallen human beings. And we never seem to handle authority perfectly. We always make mistakes. Uh, you know, do you ever have the opportunity to maybe coach a little kid's softball team or a girl's uh, baseball team? And you hear from the stands criticisms about the way things are going in the game. And maybe as a manager, you make certain decisions. and. Parents always have criticisms and complaints about how you're handling the authority. It's only a softball game or a little league game, but you know, people just have trouble with somebody in authority. But you know what? When Jesus has authority, and he does, he handles it perfectly all the time. Although sometimes people have complaints about God, too, and they don't like the way God did this or did that or allowed this to happen or allowed that to happen. But that's our fallen human nature. That's the problem. It's not God and it's not Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Who gave Jesus this authority? All authority in heaven and on earth. That's a pretty sweeping statement. But it's true. It's exact. That's the authority that he now has. Who gave it to him? Well, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 27. Matthew 11 and verse 27, because Jesus explains exactly where he got his authority. He says here, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So all things have been handed over to Jesus by his Father. Now, we know that previous to Jesus' incarnation, you know, John in his gospel, John chapter 1 explains this pretty clearly to us. Before the Son of God was incarnated as Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> fully God and fully man, that the Son of God had always existed with the Father, and he had great authority then. 
Remember it said in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, that's the Son of God who became Jesus Christ at his incarnation. But the Son of God put that authority aside in order to be incarnated as the fully God, fully man, Jesus of Nazareth, who gave his life on the cross to atone for our sins. But then after his death on the cross, as we heard the other week, when he rose from the dead, he was changed, he was glorified. He's the risen savior now, the glorified God-man, triumphant over sin and Satan, and because his mission on earth was accomplished, he was exalted to the right hand of the Father with all authority over heaven and earth. All of his authority was restored to him and given back to him. He put it aside while he walked this earth because he came to be a suffering servant. And he relied fully on the Father during his time here on earth. But once he had accomplished his mission, once his sacrifice was completed, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. Jesus was once again restored to all of his authority. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 20, says this. It talks about Jesus Christ. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So the Father once again restored Jesus to his throne, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So... In a sense, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was restored all of his authority that he had before time began. Now, let me ask the question. We see who gave him his authority. It was the Father. How much authority is included in this? When Jesus says that all authority is his over heaven and earth, what does that entail? Well, I've got some things that I'd like you to, to consider today, and uh, we'll go through a few of these. I think I have five points here. There are many others, but we'll go through, through five points. The first thing that he has authority over is creation. Creation. All creation. Not just earth, but the whole universe. Jesus has authority over all of that. You know, it's said there in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made, John 1, 3. So not only did Jesus create everything, he also has authority over all that he created. Now, we don't know, we can't even begin to imagine what all that entails. Can you imagine being put in charge of the whole universe? <laughs> well, Jesus can handle it. That's his authority. And... Uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I will turn there. Hebrews 1, verse 3. In talking about Jesus, it says, The Son, 
Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So somehow Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is in control of the whole universe. He keeps everything operating. He keeps everything moving. In fact, another scripture, I won't turn there, but it says, in him all things hold together. Colossians 1 verse 17. What does that mean? All things hold together because of Jesus Christ. From the greatest view of the universe to the smallest microscopic view of creation, everything is held together. You know, when you talk about, you know, billions of uh, light years across the galaxies compared to the protons, neutrons, and electrons in the tiniest particle we can see in a microscope, although they have uh, discovered even smaller particles now, quarks and things like that, all of that is held together in proper balance by Jesus Christ. All of these small, tiny, microscopic particles maintain their path as they orbit around, and they, their speed all by the authority of Jesus Christ. Without him, all the material world and all the spiritual world would cease to exist. Now, somebody might complain and say, well, if that's true, if Jesus Christ has authority over the physical creation, why do we have things like hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and forest fires and earthquakes? If Jesus is in control of all of that, why do these disasters happen? Why doesn't he stop everything? Well, unfortunately, there's a story back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve, our long-ago forefather and foremother, <laughs> sinned when they were in the Garden of Eden, instead of blessings, a curse came upon them and all of the human race. And we have been suffering the effects of that curse ever since. Amen. So even though Jesus Christ is in control of all things, bad things still happen. God allows that. It's part of the curse that still carries on from Adam and Eve. The curse will come to an end when Jesus returns. But for now, we have to deal with things like that. We have to deal with storms. I don't know about you, but I was awakened this morning by thunder and heavy rain, and that stuff happens. It still happens because mankind or the human race in general is still living under the curse. Now, Jesus has the power to intervene anytime he wants to in the midst of storms, in the midst of nat uh, natural tragedies, in the midst of wars. And wars are all our fault. They're not Jesus' fault. He has the power and the authority to intervene in whatever way he sees fit or feels necessary to answer prayers or to perform miracles in the midst of all of the trouble that we've caused. But he alone has the wisdom 
and the discretion to decide when he's going to intervene and when he's going to uh, stop a storm or redirect a storm or save people in the midst of a storm. He has the authority to do that, and he does it on a regular basis. But he has not wiped out all storms. He has not stopped all wars. We're still living under the curse that we brought upon ourselves by not only Adam and Eve's sins, but all of our sins down through the ages. Amen. So does he have authority over creation? He created it all. It just seems fit and makes sense that he has authority over all that, and he does. But unfortunately, we're also living in the midst of curses that we brought upon ourselves. But the good news is that the curses will end when Jesus returns and restores all things. So that's the first thing he has authority over, creation. Secondly, he has authority over the spirit world. Now, it's a world that we don't see at all. We sense it, we're taught about it, and that's a good thing. The only way we know about the spirit world is that God has revealed it to us through his word. But there's a whole other dimension besides our physical dimension. This is what we're used to. This is what we know about the physical dimension that we live in. But God's word teaches us that there's a whole different dimension, the spirit world. Jesus has authority over that. Whatever spirit beings exist, he created them. Because don't forget, before anything was created, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So whatever spirit creatures exist, spirit beings, let's call it that, he created them, and he has authority over them. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. 1 Peter 3 and verse 22. It talks about Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers. All three of those words refer to spirit beings. With angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So all of the spirit beings, and we, we can't even imagine, we know angels, we've heard about angels and we're familiar with them, but there are other types of spirit beings too that are called here by different names, authorities and powers. They're all in submission to Jesus Christ because he has authority over them. Now you could say, well, didn't some of the spirit beings rebel against God? Yeah, Satan and the demons. A portion of the angels rebelled against God eons ago because they're free just like we're free. Just like we are free to choose, the spirit beings that God created were free to choose. And some chose to rebel, just like a lot of human beings have chosen to rebel against God. They had the freedom to do that. And that means that they have become Satan and his demons. But Jesus also has authority over them. The loyal ones, as far as well as the fallen ones, Jesus has authority over them. Remember during his earthly ministry, there were many times where uh, this was shown to be true. I'm looking at Mark 1 and verse 27. Mark 1 
in verse 27. The people following Jesus, hearing him teach and watching the things that he did, it says there, the people were all so amazed by Jesus that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. So, you know what? It's very encouraging for us because we know that in this spirit dimension, there are evil forces that are opposed to us, that are opposed to the church. And it's good to be reminded that Jesus has authority over them. Now, that doesn't mean that we're never going to get tempted. We're still going to get tempted because that happens. Uh, Sometimes we get carried away with our own human nature and sin, but we can also be tempted to sin. But it's good to know that Jesus has authority over those things. He allows us to be tempted, and that's a good thing, because we need to prove ourselves over the years as time goes by. We have to decide, you know, do we want to obey God or are we going to follow temptations? But we have the uh, assurance that we're forgiven of our sins, but still as Christians we've been called to, you know, walk the narrow path, to obey God and obey Jesus and everything that he taught us to do. So in spite of the temptations that we face and the challenges in life, it's good to be reminded that Jesus has authority over all of these beings that he created. Okay, the third area where Jesus' authority stands out is that he has authority in this world over kings, rulers, presidents, whatever the course may be, uh, over the course of human history. Jesus has authority over all rulers on earth. In fact, the scripture tells us, especially in the book of Daniel, I won't turn there, but it says that he removes kings and sets up kings. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? That's Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, and chapter 4 as well. So throughout history, God is the one in charge of who is reigning a certain country, who is ruling, who is the president. Now, I'm not saying that God votes. Now, in our country today, we have a democratic election where people vote And I'm not saying that God votes for one person or another, but the only way that a person enters office is with God's approval. You know, I didn't look up the scripture, but remember when Jesus was standing at trial before his crucifixion, I I think he was speaking to Pontius Pilate, uh, but he made the comment, the only way you're here, you know, ruling is by the authority of God, is because it's God's will to allow you to rule. And that's true. God has overall authority. Jesus Christ has overall authority over kings, rulers, and truly the course of human history. So he has been involved and he continues to be involved. And nothing is going to happen without God's approval. Without God's approval. And we've got a lot of rulers in the world who are not the most honest Uh, not spiritual, not in relationship with God, not Christian, but that's okay. God can still maintain control, and he still has authority over them. So Jesus is in 
control. He has authority over creation. He has authority over the spirit world. He has authority over rulers of the earth. Number four, his authority extends to judgment. He is the judge of all and the one who grants eternal life. It's Jesus Christ himself. I want to turn to John chapter 5 and verse 21. John 5 and verse 21. So the one we're talking about, the one we're singing praises to, of course our praise goes to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when we think of Jesus Christ in particular, he is the one who's going to judge all. It says in John 5 and verse 21, Jesus says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So when judgment time comes, he is the one that we're going to face. He is the one that we're going to stand before. He is the judge of all. And he is also the one who blesses with eternal life. Remember, Jesus said, I am the life. He is eternal life. And he is the one who grants it to those who should enter in. And that's why we have such a focus on Jesus Christ in our worship. You know, when we worship Jesus, we're also worshiping the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's one God in three, three persons. But we talk a lot about Jesus Christ because he means so much to us. He is our Savior. You know, that doesn't put him on a higher level than the Father or the Holy Spirit. They're all on the same level. They're all equal as uh, part of the Trinity, if you will. But we focus on him because he means so much to us. He has been put in a position by the Father to relate to us. And it's good because when it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit, it's a little shaky, you know. All we know that when Jesus came, was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. What does that mean? Did they actually see a dove or did they see something that was like a dove? We don't know for sure. But Jesus is somebody we can kind of get our hands around. You know, he, he came as a human being, fully God and fully human, and he walked the earth like us. He got tired like us. He, he uh, sweated like us. He ate meals like us. We can really relate to him, and that's the way God planned it to be, by sending his son down here to become one of us, a God that we can relate to. You know, even as far as the Father is concerned, we've heard so much about him, but it, it's hard imagining, you know, the, the Father, what... What does he look like? Or, you know, the only thing we know about the Father is what Jesus taught us about him. So Jesus is the one that I think we need to focus on. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. Jesus points us to the Father. But Jesus Christ is our Savior. He says in John 11, verse 25. John 11 and verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
So Jesus talks about the certainty of eternal life, that eternal life is something that we have now. And I think, you know, my way of looking at it is when death comes to our physical body. We all know that we have a spirit within us that God has placed within us. Our spirit is the way that we communicate with God. It's the way we learn about God. It's the way we become in relationship with God. It's our spirit. And the Bible tells us that when our time comes and this physical life comes to an end, the body goes to the grave, but the spirit goes back to God. So when you think of it that way, does our life ever really end? The body comes to an end and goes to the grave, but our spirit goes directly to God. And in that sense, that spirit involves consciousness. So in that sense, do we ever die? You know, Jesus said, if you believe in me, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, of course, I've not experienced it, neither have you. But when our time comes, I think that we're going to find that our consciousness continues on and the spirit that we have as it returns to God, we're going to be present with God, we're going to be in his uh, vicinity, he, you know, be able to embrace him and he embraces us. And I don't know what that life is going to be like, that interim period until Jesus returns and the resurrection from the dead. But I think that our life continues on and being with God. You know, Paul said, I don't know what's better for me to do, to continue to live or to die and to go to be with the Lord, which is far better, he said. (laughs) It's far better. So our relationship with God continues on. I don't think that there's going to come a time where we die and there's going to be nothingness, complete blackout. I think that the way God intended it to be is that our relationship with him continues on. Okay, point number five. The fifth authority that Jesus Christ has is, of course, over his church and uh, the mission of the church. And that's what he went on to say back there in Matthew 28, verse 18. When he talked about the authority that he had been given, it was in reference to the beginning of the church and the church preaching the gospel. Again, Matthew 28, verse 18. If I get there, I should just turn around and read it off the screen. But he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so since I have all this authority, you, disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the reason he mentions this authority that he's been given is to give us encouragement, to give us uh, assurance that as we go about preaching the gospel and sharing it with others, that he is with us, with all of the power of the universe at his disposal to help us. And let's not forget that this is the commission that he's given us to do. It's not just quote-unquote, the church's job to live the gospel and to, to preach it and to share it. It's individuals' members' responsibility. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to share the gospel in this way. 
and we do it, you know, it, it could be a scary thing to do. Some people feel kind of awkward or uncomfortable talking about God to other people. But in our relationships, and your relationships are different from my relationships. You know different people than I know. Of course, we all know each other at the church, but this gospel is to go out into the world. And you live in a certain corner of the world, I live in a certain corner of the world. And God provides opportunities for us to live the gospel, first of all, to be an example, not a self-righteous example, not a better-than-thou example, but a humble example of living the right way. And people will see that example and will notice it. And people will have different reactions to your example as a Christian. Some will criticize it. Some will poo-poo it. Uh, Some will talk behind your back and make fun of you. But there will be other people who need God in their lives and feel that need and see that you have a relationship with God and sometimes people will be drawn to you and they will ask you questions or they will seek your advice or they will wonder what you would do in the situation that they're in. And that's when we really have the opportunity to share the gospel, to talk to them, to encourage them, to pray for them. And I hope you feel comfortable praying spontaneously. Don't say, oh, I'll pray for you tonight when I pray. <laughs> they're they're going to wonder, well, will you ever do that for me? And, but it's so much better to say, hey, let's pray about that. You know, let, let's go over here where we can be alone and just say a prayer for them. That is such a meaningful thing to do. And that is a means of sharing the gospel and kind of putting them in contact with God. And don't drop it there, but continue to to talk with them as time goes by and kind of keep track and keep updated as to how they're doing, whatever their problem may be, if it's a health problem, if it's a relationship problem, a marriage problem, a work problem. See, you're there to share what you know about God and to, to speak from your personal experience as to how God has helped you and how God can help them. So that's what we're told to do. And Jesus precedes that encouragement about sharing the gospel by saying all authority has been given to him in heaven and in earth. And he's with you. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the authority that Jesus holds, and we talked about his authority over creation, his authority over the spirit realm, his authority over kings, rulers, and the course of human history, He is the judge of all who has the responsibility of granting eternal life to those who will receive it. And finally, his absolute authority over the church and its mission. You know, when he said that the gospel will be preached, starting in Jerusalem, going to Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the world, you know what? It was preached. He said it was going to be preached. And for sure it was preached, and it continues to be preached. So the authority that Jesus holds should give us faith and confidence in living out our Christian lives. It gives us an assurance that in Jesus we are victors over Satan, over sin, and over death. So let's rejoice in the fact that our Savior 
The Savior that we know, <laughs> the Savior that we sing to, the Savior that we read about, the Savior that we talk about, has authority over heaven and earth. And he is the one in charge, and someday we're going to meet him face to face. And we look forward, that's going to be awesome. So all authority in heaven and earth has been given to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice and have confidence in that.